The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Good evening, welcome to New York Talk. We are back again as we have battered another opponent in the Papa John's to storm through as group winners. Um, and But now comes a serious business of hosting one of the hot teams in the league, Sunderland, come to New York Stadium for the first time ever they were coming to the New York Stadium. Uh, so we're going to have a look through that. We'll have a quick chat about the um, Man City game uh, in midweek. Like I said, we'll move ahead. Looking forward as well. We have the scouting report on tonight. This is pre-recorded uh, with Graham Falk from What the Falk podcast, which made my favourite podcast name so far. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> but he's very um, good, that. I'll give him that. <laughs> um, we have Mick, as you can hear, Danny, and we have Mick with us as well. Hello. Hello. Uh, thank you for joining us. At some point, we'll get Bam, Ben back on. Who knows when that'll be? But, you know, Ben might be available at some point. He's a London boy, you know, keep saying it, but he's a, a, a proper London boy now. He'll come back with a cock in the yeah. accent. Oh, not. Not welcome Wait, do what? Do what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was the five 0 win on midweek. Uh, loads of kids played for City, but more importantly, a few kids played for Rotherham United. Um, let's talk about one of the senior pros first of all, Danny. You can only start with Kieran Sadlier. That's the only place to start. Uh, his first hat trick for Rotherham. I'm not sure it might be his first hat trick in English football. I'm not sure. We have to check that. Um, but. He did everything as a, as a senior pro in, in a young team. He did everything he, we needed him to, really. <clears throat> yeah, he did. And I think one of the highlights of the evening was uh, all the Man City fans on Twitter crying, saying, oh, he scored an trick and he's 27. It's an under-21s competition. <laughs> it's like, yeah, for you it is, but for us it isn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sadly, his hat-trick. I mean, it's it's not like the perfect hat-trick in the sense of what it is, but it's like the alternative perfect hat-trick where it's a penalty, mm. free kick and open play. Um, and this free kick, I mean, what a way to round it off. That sort of free kick in added time. I mean, you can't really complain about that. Um, but he's sort of made amends earlier in the game. Like, he had a few wayward shots. Mm. I mean, one of his shots was going wide and Grig put it in. Um, 
but sadly sort of made amends by keeping his head down and keeping at it and he's bagged the hat-trick so um, it's another headache for Paul Warren, isn't it? You know, like, he's got an hat-trick, do we put him in the team, do we not? He's still on really good form and sadly is living up to what he said on past interviews where he's just going to keep his head down and keep working and trying to be his best and I think Tuesday was him probably at his best if not near enough there anyway. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's important for players like Mick, and it's a really obvious thing to say, and I know it's an obvious thing to say, but it's vital for someone like him to put performance in, in games like that. And for all three games, uh, the, uh, well, certainly the first game against Donny and this one, he has played how he needs to play in these type of games. He just needs to now transfer it across, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's staking a claim, isn't he? He's definitely staking a claim for a, a first-team start, with a shadow of a doubt. Um, but that place has got to become available, hasn't it, within the first team? Yeah. Um, because Warren is just proving time and again that if it's your shirt to lose. So until there's somebody um, either injured or, or out, of, out of touch in a position that he mm. plays, then I, I, unfortunately for him, he's going he's gonna to be destined for bench for the for the foreseeable but yeah I mean he's done what he can like you said and 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 what a way to do it I don't know yeah just a bit um on Danny you were the only one the one of the three of us that went to the game are you so Ethan says he saw you uh and you weren't happy with the referee I think that's fair oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I I watched it I streamed it Mick did you watch it no no that's fine I, I I'm putting in a protest it was a protest yeah. evening for me you paid, for the first, feet you paid for the first one and you went to the second one, but you protested on the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I stood outside my house with a placard. <laughs> <laughs> did, you glue, did you glue yourself at pavement? Yeah, I glue, I glue my face at front of my house. <laughs> It'd be better again for the Scunner game if you'd gone and glued yourself to the gates at New York State and going, no one's coming in. Yeah. <laughs> um, Danny, did you realise that the next Neymar came on as substitute in the second half? Yeah, the lad who was worth 70, what is it, like 9 million quid? 9 million quid on it. In Rich, and it was in, um, <laughs> who played on that side? They were, were in J. Cole's pocket for second half, wasn't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh dear. But yeah, I mean. K or something. K yeah. K uh, KK, I think, or at least that's how Les Payne pronounced it. Uh, so we'll go with that. Oh, can't be right, can it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but he, he's come on, and you know, so he had that spell in the first half, where a bit hang on, these are threatening a little bit. Yeah. But I think our experience and our fitness as well prevailed in the end, because as soon as like, like the more um, experienced pro, shall we say, came off the pitch, and all our younguns came on, we ran, we ran them ragged. It's like it were it were effectively us playing by the Premier League rules in the competition. You know, like where it's meant to be under twenty ones, and you're allowed what three or four overage players and first team players. That was effectively us for the last half an hour, and we absolutely blitzed them. It's like lads, your manager says you you're under twenty one and should be like in the B team in in this league, and you've been smacked five nil. Like reevaluation. Um, yeah, like what Ethan said, I was not happy with that referee. He seemed to be giving everything their way, uh, to me, anyway. Um, and because there was quite a, a quite a big number of young fans in who haven't really got the lungs on them yet, shall we say, um, I could hear myself echoing from the West Stand. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was sat next to, uh, to Tiny, Tiny RUFC Vlogs, and you can probably hear me on his video. I mean, <laughs> I was probably the most vocal fan other than the fellow who gets the songs going at the other end. Um, but yeah, some of the yellow cards for us seem silly. 
that makes sense. Yeah, he loves the yellow card, that ref, didn't he? They were thinking about him before, weren't they? He loves the yellow card. Yeah, but he, he somehow gave us three in the first half, I think, and we had some decent penalty shouts in the first half. Nothing. Really did. Um, and then in the second half, I think he took one of their players to absolutely clatter JJ, and then we got a free kick, and I mean, fair enough, sadly, he scored from it, so can't really complain that much. Yeah. Yeah, so they've true. got they've got a kid in their team worth nine million quid. Next name apparently. Hasn't it, apparently. Who 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 puts that valuation on a kid who's well, that's what, turned, that's what turned out against a League One outfit who've played half of the juniors and lost five nil in forty five minutes, <laughs> and he's worth nine million quid. <clears throat> and it was that's in the pocket of a lad who's over two years I'll old. Tell you what, whoever put that valuation on him, I'm going to go and sell him my car. It's worth two hundred <laughs> grand, mate. It might be a clapped out fiesta, but it's worth two hundred grand here. <laughs> uh, come on, yeah. it um, might be worth nine million quid in a few years, but he ain't worth it now. No, he's worth ten bob and a Fredo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, on towards the the it was a great night for the youngsters. I'll run through the players that played, and we'll talk about some of the performances. Jake Hull played again for the third consecutive Papa John's game. Uh, Jacob Grant got his first start, having played in the Doncaster game. I think I'm right. Um, Curtis DeRose played in the central midfield alongside a Dolphin, uh, and then it was down to the substitutions. Uh, War- <laughs> Kieran McGuckin came on, and so did Mackenzie Warren. To see a Warren come on the pitch again was a blast from the past. Um, I thought we'll start with DeRose, Danny. I thought he was a very, very solid midfield. I thought he looked after the ball well, I thought he broke the play up well. I was really impressed with him. Yeah, I was. I mean, I don't know if he's still in our uh, youth setup or if he's on loan somewhere. Uh, it could be a youth loan, I don't know, but he seemed really confident in himself. Mm. And to say he was in a team of more seasoned professionals, um, as well as the youth side, he looked like he can handle himself very well. I mean, mm. he's, he seems like our own Lanark pocket size version of Barlazer. Yeah. Um, it, of course, he's, he's still got youth on his side and he's maybe not as. Um, Tied on the ball as the other midfielders, but someone of his age playing in a men's competition, he's done very well, and I'm really impressed with him. I'm impressed with all of them, to be honest. Yeah, no, I would to be fair. Um, Jake Holmick, another goal, two goals in three games. I mean, he's got everything. He's, he's, he's talked about this a lot, you, you, and then you talk, you can talk about a lot of players at that age, they've got everything they need at that age. And Jake Hull is in that category, he's got everything he needs. He needs to get stronger, as what I will say. He's tall, but he does need to bulk up a bit. But that Again, it's 19 years old, whatever it is. Yeah. That'll come. You, you look at the difference between Coyote when we first saw him to now. He's bulked yeah. up. He's different. He looks a different guy, um, and that's part of the part of the process for all of them. But again, Jake Hull ticking all the boxes, playing with somebody you would want to play with, and learning the right things in the right time. It's, it's uh, if you're not checked out New York Talk UK, you'll be able to see Lewis Oldham's article on our youth at the minute, and it's it's looking really positive, making it. It's looking very, very positive. I mean, it's over the years. You look back over the years, and we've had quite a few promising players come through, come through the ranks uh, at Rotherham United, and we've never really had um, the management team across the board to 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 bring them on, and also never really as a club, I don't think, had the will to do that. You know, it's all been been more about sort of let's get to see what we can get from them, and let's ship them out yeah. as soon as we can. Um, so, so we've got we've got the the structure in place now to bring these lads on, and Ben Wiles is a perfect example of that of, of how he's progressed over these last two or three years, and how he continues to progress. And even if t- only two or three of these lads progress at the same rate, 
you know, and that's got to be considered a success. But when you look yeah. at the way that they played the other night, there's no reason why they can't, you know, they can't all do it. Uh, they're certainly not going to be for the want of trying in terms of the club itself trying to trying to develop these lads. So it's it's, it's really really good times, really good times for them United. Yeah, yeah, it is. And McGuckin Danny, the assist for Sadlier's second goal was uh, an assist beyond his years. Yeah, and, I, and I, I say that because and I, I, I might be being a bit harsh, but if that's Kieran Sadlier, he's had a shot. Kieran sadly doesn't lay that off. If you swap the roles, that doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> yeah, and like like I say, you took words straight out of my mouth there. An assist beyond his years. I mean, even sadly said after the game, he went up and said well done to him because he was expecting him to shoot from that position as well. And <clears throat> I think some young players do get carried away when the ball comes to him in that position. It's like, oh, it's 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 here and it's sixteen yards away. When I have a go, yeah, but. To have that knowledge and that um, added lead pain, put it, he, um, he came up with a phrase that I really liked about it, but now I've forgotten. It's something about uh, seeing seeing the future of the game and how it's going to progress. He saw, sadly, coming into a better position, so he's gone, I led it to him, and he's assisted. And like I said, it's beyond his years. That's something you see in, um, in men's football and not from a youth player. Yeah. It's it's also something that's very very difficult to teach into a player. You yeah, know? exactly. It, it's it, it's one of those things that we we talked about this many years ago, Matt, when we when we coached junior football. But St Joseph's, you, you get a player every now and again who could who could who was two or three yards faster than everybody else in the mind in the head, you know, and had that ability to read the game and read read the positions that they were in on the pitch. And it's that's one of those things that's really really difficult to. To sort of instilling players a lot of, you know a lot of the times they've either got it or they haven't so when when that sort of thing happens you know, it automatically it makes you sit up and think well hang on a minute how did he pick that one out because yeah. as you say you know you just expect that they're just going to put the foot through it and you know looking for glory so uh, so yeah it's all all positive stuff this all positive and yeah, fair play to the guy at northern ireland who spotted him already you know you've mm. and god yeah mm. you can come in yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's already a youth international. Has scored a few goals for Northern Ireland under 19s. I he will probably get called up again uh, during the next international break, which will help us call call a game off. Um, <laughs> we're through to the next round. It guarantees us a home tie, apparently. Oh, great! Um, uh, it's got its critics. This competition. We are a three of us. have got have criticised it, but we have done, we have used the competition for me in the right way. Uh, we've got mentioned here, uh, IUS Ethan, a lot of fans moaning that Ladepo coming off at half time. He sort of precautions grid can play, so it is eyes stop fatigue and injury. Yeah, we've used it to get minutes into players, uh, youth players, and adult and adult players, you know, professional players. Um, it, we, 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 for me, if we're gonna have this competition, this is how we should be using it. Mm-hmm. I agree, right. no doubt about it. Yeah. What what I, will, what I will say is is that there was a lot of criticism about Warren going very strong for the Scunthorpe game, hmm. um, but in hindsight, that glorious thing, um, you look back at it and go, well, you could say he went strong for that game, so it guaranteed his progression, so he could play more yeah. youth players against the City lot, because we won't want to be in a situation where we had to beat City to get through, because then everybody would be upset if we didn't, but because we were already we were already through against. Uh, Scunthorpe and he's gone strong for that and he's gone right I can get more young players in and then rest a lot of them for Saturday so if that's the way Warney 
built it up from the beginning, then that's a masterstroke. If it's coincidence, then it's paid off beautifully well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, exactly. Um, Stuart March mentions after the Saddlers hat trick against Wood City, would he be the man to start for on Saturday? It's an interesting point. Let's move on to the Sunderland game. What we're going to do now? We I said we've got the scout report tonight from Graham Thorpe. I'm going to play the first part of this. Uh, which is five or ten, it's about seven, seven, eight minutes long. Um, it's interesting to listen to it, but what I'm going to say is what if anybody's watched on YouTube, just watch me because my chair slowly drops down as I get lower and lower. <laughs> <laughs> so keep it. Keep oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you for joining us, Graham. Um, so let's talk about Sunderland, big game Saturday. Um, let's start with, uh, we always start with pre season, how. What was the pre-season expectations? A couple of uh, nearly years in League One. What were the pre-season expectations for this year? Um, it was weird at, at pre-season at the time because if I go back to, to pre-season, it was a little bit... Um, I, I think we were getting a little bit worried. I mean, coming off the back of last season when we got beat off Lincoln in the playoffs. It's a weird season last season, as I'm sure we all remember, but... We got the fans sort of back in, so it was that kind of weird feeling of positivity that we got back in the ground and then we got beat after pulling a two-goal thingy back. But then we kind of all agreed, look, the players, this section of players needs to move on. We probably need this, this and this. We need to take eight or nine players out, let the contracts run out and replace. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of happened. We kept Luko Nine and McGeady, which were probably at the time the two we probably wanted to keep. But then come to like... August time, early August, would sign like three players, and we were like, "Oh God!" Like, we don't mind these players going, but we need a bit of a replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but that that changed. I think at the time, I'd guested on um, the third tier podcast, and I said we'd be fourth, and I was being a bit positive compared to how I was feeling at the time because I was mm-hmm. thinking, "God, we've got no right back, we've got no left back," which we didn't at the time. Um, I was thinking we still need somebody in midfield. I wasn't convinced on the ones that came in because Callum Doyle was 17 years old from Man City. Corey Evans had came in and was always injured. That hasn't really changed, but he's a better player than I thought he was. Um, and I was a bit concerned. So in pre-season, it was a little bit of a, oh God, this feels awful. Like we can't afford mm. to have a season where we're underprepared again. But I'm sure we'll come on to it. That, that's changed for, for very positive reasons. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Lee Johnson, the manager, been there a little while yet. Um when he came in, I thought that would be a cool for to get that that calibre of manager in League One. I know he didn't go up last year, but how's his time been so far? It seems positive where we are now, anyway. Yeah, I mean, right now it feels really positive. Um, I'll openly admit that when he came in, I was all right with it. I was kind of like, well, championship, fair enough. I was sort of anchoring for Gus Poyet, but I am a romanticist. So take that. Take that with a pinch of salt. Like for me, I'm probably one of those people that still thinks Peter Reid could do a job, even though he's about 20 years out of a job. Um, so Gus Poyet was really close to it, I'm led to believe. Mm. Um, and then for some reason or another, he didn't get it. And then it was between Lee Johnson and Danny Cowley. I don't dislike Danny Cowley, but I really didn't want him. Mm. I don't know why, I just, I just didn't. So Lee Johnson would have been sort of the option. Um, when he first came in, I, it was different because... For me, the, the most successful some of the managers that we've had are the likes of Peter Reid, Sam Allardyce, Mick McCarthy. I've all got us promoted um, and more. Oh, well, not Allardyce didn't get us promoted, but he did well with us and so on so and so forth. And Roy Keane, of course, was the big one. So I always think a big personality in terms of like a tough character that will you know, say as he sees it works. And Lee Johnson's very much, 
and I hope your viewers and your listeners understand what I mean by this, but very LinkedIn mm. in terms of the social media site. He's very like yeah. big, long, lovely words and, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not really sold on that, but um, he went on a really good run last season and pulled us from what was mid-table to then, you know, looking like we could actually get all my promotion and then went on a horrendous run. And Bristol City fans were saying, you know, he's Strictly Johnson, he'll go on a good run, then a bad run. But if I'm going to judge him solely on this this season with the bulk of his signings and, and the bulk being his squad and, you know, almost a year in charge, when we've got beaties responded with two or three wins and, and Sunderland's mm-hmm. problem for a few seasons have been not so much we don't lose a lot, we draw too many. He, he might have lost three this season, but he's won sort of two games after that or three games after that and put runs together. He's he's not had a, a streak that's been anything but good this season. There's been the odd poor result in between, few and far between. He's doing really well in the, the Papa John's trophy with basically our under-21s team, under-23s team, whatever it's called these days. Um, and we're doing really, really well in the League Cup randomly with the last yeah. non-Premier League team in there. So... He's, he's done really well. He's found all cylinders. And I, and I think, um, you know, pardon my French here, but I'm not a, a person who likes a manager to waffle on so much in the way Lee Johnson does. But if he's winning games, he can talk as much shite as he wants. And I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed the nonsense he talks sometimes. But like I said, some, it's, it's a distraction, in it, sometimes? Even for the players, it helps distract the players away from issues. Focus on sort of be a, yeah. I think there'll be a method behind it. That's what yeah. I like is is that I'm kind of turning on to Lee Johnson where I'm sort of like I like him celebrate. And then he said the other night, not exact quote, but he asked me about the QBR game. And he said it's a magnificent club. I love it. And mm. I thought, oh, if it, if if you've got the bug for it, then yeah. maybe you're not the character that I normally go for, like the Allardyce, the Peter Reed, the Roy Keane, but you're a character. Mm. I mean, he's he's about four foot two. Um, and he still thinks he can take everyone on. Um, so kudos for that. I'm not going to say anything to him. I don't want him jumping up my knee and, and, and breaking my thigh or anything like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had his runnings with him before when not, Warnock were our manager. Yeah, they had a run in together. Um, so he's not a, not a Robin fan, is Lee Johnson. I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, your start this season, uh, you talked about your predicting fourth as being optimistic. So I suspect the, the start of the season today has been a little bit of a surprise. It's been it's been brilliant so far. A lot of it's came down to the recruitment. If I'm completely honest, I think um, you know we went to the first game of the season. We played Wigan, and I think I had a Wigan fan on the preview show, and he said, you know, success is just a boring season after the past few seasons have had. But you know, to be fair, Wigan have signed players that are not players that I particularly liked in Max Power and Charlie White, but with decently good players. Yeah. Um, and I think they did sign well elsewhere as well. Whereas we. Signed differently to how some they normally do. I think, you know, the first game of the season we brought in, um, we had Carl Winchester playing right back, he's, he's a midfielder. We had Dan Neal playing at left back, he's a midfielder. So people were like, we're looking a bit short. Mm. We've lost Charlie White. Can Ross Stewart step up? Because he wasn't amazing last season when he played last season, Ross Stewart. But um, a combination of a few things. The recruitment's been great. We brought in Huggins from Leeds. He hasn't played too much, but he's, he's kind of an example of the signings we're bringing in. But the likes of Callum Doyle, who's just turned 18 from Manchester City. He looks the kind of player that, if he doesn't play for Man City, he's going to play for one of the bigger teams. He's a very, mm-hmm. very good player. Um, one of those players that you just think, oh, you're just talented. You're, just, yeah. you're never going to sign for Sunderland on a permanent basis. And different level, but I've seen Johnny Evans come in when he played for Sunderland, two loan spells, and very much in that mode where you go, well, we're never going to be able to keep him. We'll just kind of admire him while he's here. Yeah. Um, 
Dennis Serkins came in on a permanent deal from Tottenham Hotspur and Spurs fans were devastated by that. Can't say I heard about him before, mm. but I can understand why. The kid is very, very good. Um, in midfield, we've gone with like O'Neill and, and Dan Neal. Corey Evans has come in when he's not been injured, which is unfortunate because Corey Evans has been better than I thought as well when he's played. Daniel's been a revelation. He's been a, our academy product for a couple of seasons, played a couple of Papa John's games, and everyone thought, well, he looks all right, him. I would like to give him more of a chance. Mm-hmm. He signed a new contract today at 2025, and, I mean, the whole of Sunderland's, like, bouncing. He, he really looks like, and it's very high praise indeed, but, you know, Pickford and Henderson both came from our academy. Mm-hmm. Probably the best that I've seen come from the academy since then. He definitely, I don't want to go haywire with him, but he's definitely able to make a step up if we get promoted, without a doubt. He looks very, very good. And then Ross Stewart scored goals. Um, Ross Stewart's done a better job in terms of, well, he scored goals, which is what we needed in the first place, but he also adds to the team more than our previous strikers have, like the Will Griggs um, and the Charlie Whites of this world. He just fits the team better. So really positive. What Once the transfer window closed and we settled down and we signed two players from Bayern Munich on like transfer deadline day, we kind of went... Ah, we should have trusted them all along. You know, it was fine. It was always going to be all right. So it was a funny kind of turnaround, but I've got to give all praise to, to Speakman and, and Dreyfus and Johnson for identifying players that just suit what, what we have. Everything's not perfect. It never is with something, but it's better than it's been in a long, long time. And that's mainly due down to the recruitment, thankfully. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs were, were sort of like in that area where transfer business was very late. We were we were for like the week before the season was when we signed most of our players this season. I think it, yeah. it's just it's been a strange transfer. It's two years in football, but I think the transfer <coughs> windows was hit quite badly with it. Uh, Thank God it's back, though. Thank God it's back, yeah. Thank God. God. It's amazing, isn't it? I've been to 40 games already this season because I go watch anyone and anything. It's great. So I'm pleased it's back. <laughs> There we go for now. We will be back with Graham later on, <clears throat> where we will talk touch more on Gray on um, Will Grigg. We'll get his views on Will Grigg and any potential recalls, which may or may not happen in the future. Um, interesting, listen to that, Mick, because it's very similar to us in terms of the youth that's coming through, which is mentioned a few youth players coming through, but also our recruitment in the summer was very good. It was late, but it was very, very good. There seems like a lot of similarities between us and Sunderland this season. Even if, even if you just look at those two, those two sort of facts, there's similarities already. Yeah, I mean, we've not signed anybody from Bayern Munich or Man City. That's true. But other than that, um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I mean, it's similar in the sense that we've both signed players, uh, but where late. they come from, late in the late, yeah, mm. uh, where they come from is a different, uh, different matter, isn't it? But um, I, I don't know, I. I don't have a problem with Sunderland. I don't, honestly. I don't. But, as, as, there's a book in here, Danny. There is a book, book, yeah. There, there is. is a book. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It, it just seems, you know, that it, it, we've, what, those two things I just said there, you know, we signed so on, so two from Bayern Munich and him from Man City. It, as, as if it's, it kind of trips off the tongue and, you know, it's just as if it's normal. And it's not normal, is it? <laughs> it's not normal for a League One club. You know, it's not normal. I, or in my head, and I'm not saying I'm right. I just it just doesn't feel right. Doesn't sit right. There's that. There's that kind of um, attitude that comes that I see coming from the club, and I'm not saying it's there. It's just my opinion. That that's it's. I don't know. It's just that attitude of superiority, I guess. You know, we, we are I, a big club. We've got a big ground. Big lots of supporters. We've yeah, been in Premiership. Yeah, but they're a League One club. 
True. Yeah, I, I can definitely see where Mick's coming from. And I do think some clubs, like our Blue Neighbours, do have that arrogance that they are mm-hmm. a big club. But you sort of have to take them down a peg that you are in League One. <clears throat> and in Sunderland's case, they have been in League One for a few seasons. Yeah. Um, but I do I do think it does come down to Sunderland have always fished in a different pond to us, yeah. haven't they? And yeah, yeah. if you've got a stadium that's 49,000 and you're the only professional club in your city compared to us and we've got another four clubs round us and we're in a town. You, mm. you, know, you, can, you can sort of understand why they're getting players from Bayern Munich and we're getting them through our academy and, and from uh, League One and League Two clubs. But I do agree that some fans do have that arrogance that they shouldn't be in this division. I do, I do agree yeah. that. I think you, like you find them at uh, Sunderland, Chef Wednesday on Ipswich as well. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, just, it is the big club thing, isn't it? And, and yeah. ultimately, and I, I, listen, I, it sounds it sounds really bitter and, and, and not very, you know, having and, and like having a pop, and it's not. Mm. It's just, it just feels. Maybe it's a bit of an inferiority complex on my part, as, you know, <laughs> a rather United supporter. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Uh, it just doesn't sit well with me at all. Okay. Fair enough. Um, no worries. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a few stats on Sundland uh, against Rotherham United. Um, it's bad record. It's a really, really bad record against Sundland. Um, we have won three times out of a total of 25 meetings, with our last win coming in 1962. So quite a while oh, wow. ago. Um, so it, we, to be fair, we don't play them that often. Obviously, we played them in the, in the league last time out, but we didn't play them second time. The last time we played before it was 2004, I think, 2004, 2005 time. So it's not a fixture that comes like comes around very often. Uh, and that's one of the reasons, Danny, that, yes, they're a big club, but it's, they're a big club and we don't play them very often. It's similar when we played Newcastle a few years ago. They're a big club and we don't play them. So th- it can make those occasions really special because of, you're just mixing those two things together. Yeah, exactly. And I think you said earlier that it's the first time we've actually played them at New York. Um, so no wonder, no wonder it's a bit, no wonder it's sold out. Um, but yeah, but to have that record that we haven't <clears throat> beaten Sunderland since 1962, I think it just goes to show the difference in uh, in um, in story, shall we say? Whereas Sunderland's yeah stereotypical first division Premier League club, and they have been for many years, but they've just they're just on um, one of them bits in history where you find yourself in the lower leagues, and I think because. Sunderland now have the tools this season. I think that's why they are quite confident they'll go up. And mm. I think, but and I think because they've been here for a few seasons, they also understand the test that Rotherham's going to be for them. I mean, I spoke on on one of their podcast groups, and they expect it's going to be a really tough game. But at the same time, they know it is going to be a good game because we're not going to, you know, just roll over and show our bellies and go, "Oh no, it's Sunderland." <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll show our teeth and go, "Right, come on then." And they'll do the same to us. Mm. Yeah, they've, they've got finally. It's took them all these years, three years, whatever it is. But they, have, they do seem to have got the recruitment right. Um, again, that doesn't always pay off. You can get your recruitment right if the, if the management team's not right. But again, you look at Lee Johnson, making you think, yes, he's got a bit of a little man syndrome, as Graham mentioned. But he has got pedigree. He did, I know he abandoned Barnsley before he could actually finish the job. But he put Barnsley in a position which got them promoted. However many years ago it was. So he does know what he's doing, even if you don't like him. It's a bit of a Carl Robinson, isn't he? Yeah. You know, mm. 
It's, uh, the, the thing about the thing about Lee Johnson is he's a nearly man, isn't he? Um, and that's what he's proved. That's what he's proved throughout his managerial career. Um, he either nearly does the job or gets fed up halfway through doing the job. Um, I'm not surprised that he's gone to Sunderland because I think he sees himself as a as a big club manager. Um, and and I also think that probably deep down inside. Uh, he, he probably feels as though this is his first opportunity to manage a big club. Um, I, I, I suspect, um, and that's no disrespect to Bristol because I think Bristol obviously have proved themselves over the last few years to be a much better run club than 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 probably the Rotherham United have been over that same period of time as well, as well as Sunderland and the likes. But I don't know. Um, it strikes me as a man that's full of his own ego. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. But that's certainly how he comes across to me. Um, I'm not a fan, I'll be honest. No, no, I'm not. Um, again, Graham mentioned it then, Danny. He is known to be a streaky manager. His Bristol City team were almost legendary for mm. winning six or seven, losing six or seven, then winning six or seven. Um, but then this season, every game they've lost, they've gone to win the next two straight after. <laughs> So maybe he's got over that, but there is a possibility if we if we look at his overall history, this may be a good time to play a Lee Johnson team. I mean, just lost last week. Yeah, potentially, and I think because of <clears throat> the Sunderland's form this season, you have to say, well, if they've lost, he's probably one of their managers where he probably gear them up for the next game. Mm. But if we can stop them playing the way they want to play and frustrate them, then that could be an advantage for us. Um, and with Lee Johnson, to, to understand his character, all you need to do is, is look at his comments for the next round of the Carabao Cup where he says, oh, I, I hope we get Tottenham or Arsenal because it'll be an easier game. You know, and play, Yeah, play the big boys in the next round or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. He's, um, <laughs> so he's a manager that doesn't like to... Um, he, he likes to tell it how it is sometimes, but he also likes the banterous side of it, like mm. his comments about Tottenham and Arsenal. Um, but yeah, like I say, I think if... If we um, upset them and frustrate them like we did against Portsmouth, mm. I think it could um, prove fruitful for us. Yeah. I saw a start the other day, Mick, that we are one of the few teams in the country not to concede in the first 15 minutes of games. Yeah. And in games like this, it was much like the Wickham game, do not concede early. It's massive. Do not concede early. And we've been doing that. that. That's a massive change to our game. It's a really obvious thing to say. Again, we I feel like football. We're always talking cliches and obvious statements, but it's vital you don't concede early in a huge game like this. And we so far have got a really good record of that. It's not a great game for that start to come out, is it? Really, you know. Really. Um, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. We've been solid. We've been really, really solid so far, with the exception of um, that Fleetwood debacle. Um, we, we've we've had a really solid season. Um, so you know they're going to have to go something. If listen, if if they can get to, if they can come to New York Stadium on Saturday and win and go away with three points, I think we'll probably ninety nine percent. One of us will say they'll 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 have to deserve it. They're going to have to yeah. work damn hard for it. You know what I mean? Um, and whether Lee Johnson's side has got that in them, well, that's up for question, isn't it? You know whether whether they've had to work hard. For any of the victories so far, obviously we don't know. I don't know. Uh, it may well be that they've had some tough games, or it may well be that you know the teams that they've beaten have rolled over, um, and then they come up against somebody like Portsmouth. I accept it were raining, raining um, a bit. Well, well, I didn't say a bit. I just said it were raining. Yeah. You know, but both teams had to play in the same condition. They come up against Portsmouth, who are a good side, 
and get spanked, absolutely spanked. So, yeah, you're right. And 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 the lad from the Sunderland podcast is right as well. You know, it, it, Lee Johnson is streaky in his management. Um, and, and looking at it this season, you know, he's probably proving the same again. You know, win two or three, lose one. Win two or three, lose one. Um, that's not the form of somebody who's going to be challenging right at the very top at the end of the season. No. They've also got the yeah. cup run that now through to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup, which on paper, Danny, you think that's great, that's amazing. And it is. It's great. They're the only, only non-Premier League team left in tournament. That's really good. If that were us, we'd be incredibly proud of it. But from an opposition point of view, and for my head, I'm thinking, that's brilliant. They've just done a, yeah. a big cup win. Let's play them. We're after the Lord Mayor's show, I know it's a big game for it against us still, but you want to play teams who have got their priorities almost elsewhere. Yeah, and the fact it went to penalties against QPR mm-hmm. as well. <clears throat> so they had that little bit of an extended timeout on the pitch. So it might be, and it'll be mental, mental tiredness as well. You've celebrated winning against QPR and you've gone through. Um, but not to sound like an arse or anything, but there's always one league, one club that goes on and running that cup, yeah. isn't there? It was, always. Who was it a few seasons ago? Were it Burton? A few seasons yes, ago. they got semis, didn't they? And lost like yeah, they got 10 semis in aggregate. Yeah, and, and now it's Sunderland. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but now's the right time to play. And we've come off a big win against Man City where we didn't really over-excel ourselves because we rested mm. key players. But for them against QPR, it's more of their first team who've had a game on Tuesday, so they might be a little bit more fatigued. So that's something for Johnson to consider for the game. It's a big game as well. They'll be mentally tired from the QPR game and it going to penalties because it's no... It's no... Um, I forgot my phrase. But basically, going to penalties, it takes a toll on you. Yeah. We, we, we know as fans, when it goes to penalties, your heart's in your, heart's in your throat. And I imagine it must be the same for the players. Now, to come off that Tuesday and then wind down and then suddenly it's another big game Saturday, you know, it, it must take a toll on them, surely. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> moving on to more Royal United-related things before we'll move back to something later on. Um, the goal last week, Mick, we haven't talked about this because it only got announced on Wednesday afternoon that somehow <laughs> somehow Michael Smith has been able to claim the goal on, on last Saturday. Um well, I don't know what you could say. Mick. He definitely. Well, well he touched it apparently. As well. uh, listen, listen. Is it is it the dubious goals panel or is it the dubious goals panel? You know what I mean. <laughs> I, 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 is the goal panels dubious? Dubious or is it the goals that are dubious? Yeah, I, there's no way he touched that ball. Not in a million years. Not in a million years. But hey, listen, it gets it. It's one onto his total in it and. You know, Dan Barlow is not a striker. Dan Barlow is a, is an assistant, <laughs> realistically. You know, and, and and at the end of this season, Dan Barlow will be counting his success, I guess, on the number of assists that he's got, and maybe he'll chip in with a goal. Uh, Michael Smith will be counting his success on how many times he's hit back at net. So, you know, it, for me, it's just another indication of, of the teamwork that goes off within this squad. You know, and the relationship between between the players. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a dubious Michael Smith goal. Definitely. Yeah, yeah we mentioned his stats last time. It takes him to joint top top goal scorer in the league. It takes him to 47 goals for the Millers. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's shooting up that scoring charts, Danny. And although yeah. we, don't, we all don't think he scored, his overall point probably deserved a goal anyway. And it just, he's got to keep that confidence building and building. and It's obviously only a positive. 
Yeah, I mean, I have checked my uh, my footage back on the vlog, and he definitely didn't touch it. Um, <laughs> we need we need VAR for the EFL panel for that one, but I think it's because Barley's uh, went to the club and says, "No, I want you to give it him." Mm. It's a sort of a win-win because now Smith's joint top at scoring charts and Barley's a joint top of the assisting chart. So it's a win-win for both, and it brings Smith one step closer to that Alan Shearer Newcastle shirt that Richie's got in his cupboard. So it's a step closer, so Richie will be pulling his hair out now about going, you better not get it. Um, but yeah, like I say, another, another goal for Smith. Uh, it's a big confidence boost for him, because like I say, he deserved a goal against MK. My score against Sunderland, I mean... They will absolutely despise him if he scores against Sunderland. Oh, can you imagine him scoring in front of the way end? And then going and shushing him. (laughs) Picture it here. Demand the one against Doncaster. Picture it here, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he'd love that, wouldn't he? He would love that. He would. He would do a celebration in front of him. Oh, imagine. Anyway, back to today. But yeah, Smith is firing up the charts now. It's one of his best seasons, if not his best season. Uh, I think the only season he did better for was... Swindon, yeah, fourteen in league. I think I'll double check that. Yeah, but he's nearly. If he did, okay. Um, but yeah, he's, um, <laughs> yeah, the best one. Uh, but yeah, Smith's nearly on fourteen. If that's what he got for Swindon, um, and yeah, I think if he gets it, he'll be over the moon. Did you press the wrong yes. button, Matthew? Yes, I think you will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I googled on the tab where we were. We were, we were all on. Uh, so I did leave for a second, but I'm back. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, let's do our score. Let's do our lineup prediction, as we always like to do. We'll go through team, but player by player. Uh, Vickers will start. I think that's a fair assumption. There's no reason to change the goalkeeper unless he picks up an injury between now and Saturday. Um, then comes back three is even interesting. Mick Woody played on Saturday on Wednesday, Tuesday, sorry, against the City. You would assume Woody would play, but Icky Harden and Edge. None of those three did anything wrong to get dropped, so no. it's difficult to shoe on Woody back in. <laughs> That's the one, isn't it? That's the one, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't have to make that decision. I suspect, I suspect, bearing in mind the significance of the game, that Woody might well come back in. Mm. Um, that it, the shirt is yours to lose. Um, Scenario might not fit on this occasion, but I, I, I may well be wrong. I may well be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, I, I, I have a sneaky suspicion he might come back in. Possibly for for Harding. For Icky, do you think? Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I I I can see that. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, both think Reg will keep the keep his place. I I assume he will. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, Harvey Kellick asks about the same team as MK, but Ladepo and Greg will come onto that that chat. They'll strike a force in a minute. Um, but again, there's no reason to change midfield. Mick Jimmy Lindsay's close to being fit, not fit yet. So uh, I feel sorry for Dolphin. I thought Dolphin were really good on Tuesday night, but he rightly can't get in the team. I mean, he, doesn't, he doesn't deserve to get in the team through no fault of his own. If that sort of makes sense. No, absolutely, absolutely. I don't, there's no. I can't see there being any changes there. Can't see there any changes in midfield. Um, why would you? I mean, they've just been absolutely electric, haven't they? You know? So, yeah, they, they, I think the, the choices are going to be made on that left-hand side if Miller's fit. Um, I suspect he might start um, after his performance in the second half against uh, McDonald's when he came on and also 
Um, played 90 minutes in midweek though, didn't he? Played 90 minutes as well and he's got a sore foot but hopefully he's going to be fit. So he, he may come in, he may, but, uh, you know, uh, other than that, it's just Will Grigg who's not going to start in it. So really, mm. for me, it's centre of defence and centre forward that, that are the two two spots up for grabs for me, I think. Are you keeping Gio in, Danny? It, it, it might, might need to be defensive at times. Could you see Warney doing the trick of leaving on bench and bringing him on with you half hour? I mean, yeah, you can you can sort of see where that mindset had come from, more of a uh, keep the clean sheet for the early part of the game and then hit him with the pace later on. You could see that. And if that's the case, then it would be Harding on the right and Ferguson on the left. And then bring Chio and Miller on second half and just and just blitz him like we did against... Who did we blitz? Was it Wimbledon that we blitzed? Or was it... No, it was Portsmouth, wasn't it? Yeah, Portsmouth. Yeah. So we could, we could play a similar tune to that. Or we could go the other way, where we do it early on and try and mm. shock them a little bit. Um, but no, I, I, out of the two, I can see us going the, the defensive route to start with and hitting them with pace. If they've played a quite a high-intensity game against QPR Tuesday, um, and like I say, went, it went to penalties, then if you can just tire them out in the first half and then bring mm. on your pace in the second half, it'll be like sixes and sevens. Um, and then I agree with the comment that was on earlier. <clears throat> Laddie Poe in for Grig. I think good for Grig that he can't play against him because that'd be hilarious, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, Laddie Poe, he's on form at the minute. <clears throat> he came on and did really well against Milton Keynes. Um, I can't see any reason why you can't do well Saturday as well. Yeah. Uh, any any shout? Sadly, they got that trick, Mick. So mm. you could argue we should start. But then, if you did start him, you would then be taking away a striker. You'd be taking away what has worked with Smithy yeah. and another person. So it's I'm, I'm assuming. Charge, why would you start him? I'm assuming on on Tuesday night he played sort of that number ten role. I assume. Yeah. Um, he did, he did I mean, well. That's what do you think? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, unfortunately for him at the moment, it doesn't exist that spot. Yeah, uh, that that vacancy, if you like, in first team. So. Um, because it's a different, obviously a different formation, and unless of course you pretty much stuck up front with Smithy, mm. I don't know whether that'll work. Um, I don't think that'd be fair on Freddie um, or JJ either, to be honest. Um, mm. So yeah, sad as it might be for, for for Kieran Sadley, and it is because he's no doubt he's a good player. Um, you know, he's just got to wait. He's going to bide his time because time will come. Mm. I think the only way I can see Sadly come into this team is if he decides to rest Rathburn or Wiles. Yeah. Um. I mean, Oli runs himself stupid every game, so he'll be, he'll be doing a rest, rest at some point. point. Yeah. But I can see Sadly coming into him, and if that's the case, I would play him instead of Rathburn Sadly if he wanted to rest him, because there's no way you're dropping Bar Laser no. for a, no. for a Sunderland game, are you? No. No. You know, Definitely having not. a having a Geordie up front and a Geordie in midfield, you know. Yeah. They are going to be up for it to no end, aren't they? But yeah, like you say, Mick, it's good for Sadly because he played really well mm. against Man City's young guns and he does play well when he comes on. Mm. But his more accustomed position, shall we say, is that number 10 position. And it just mm. doesn't exist at this point because we can play Rathburn there and he's like, um, shout off an not shovel, if you pardon my French. Yeah, it's just a terrier, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You also um, probably stifle Wiles if you play sadly. What that he, sadly will get yeah. in Wiles as way. And yeah. really, who would you want at the minute? As Josh Smith mentions, wants to today have a tizer 
panicking over, over keeping Wiles. Rates him as one of the best midfielders in the league. That exactly. Why would you put? I know Saddles got trick against some kids. You're not dropping. You're not. You're not stifling Ben Wiles for anybody at the minute. Or there has to be a special player to stifle him. So another reason why you can't play him at number ten for me. Mm. I'd argue that Ben Wiles is a controversial. Controversial is the best midfielder in this division. I would argue. Yeah. Why not? Um, He's certainly up there, to say the least. Yeah. So you know. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so we're going to have the last chat with Graham Falk from um, What The Folk podcast, and then we'll, we'll be back afterwards to have a wrap-up. So if anybody's watching on YouTube or Facebook, send us any questions in while, while this is on, and we'll come to him afterwards. Uh, I start with asking him here. We're going to start by asking about Will Grigg. So here we go. Um, from a Rotherham point of view, what we want to ask Sunderland is, number one, I know I know, he didn't, it didn't work out for him, but does, does it seem strange that you loaned him out to a promotion rival? And if he if things go well, what chance could you see of being recalled in January? Just to just to make sure you know he can't score goals for us. Nah, nah, I don't think so. Um, I think everyone at Sunderland, and I normally say I don't speak for every fan, but I think I probably do in this instance. I don't think anyone wants him back, and it's not it's not a harsh thing, you know. What moves sometimes don't work out, and you just get on with it, but. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to be honest with you, he never looked interested from day one. It never felt like it was going to be a move. I remember on his home debut, Blackpool at home, he rounded the goalkeeper and hit the side net, and, and you were just like, oh. which yeah. was like you sort of felt it. And the, and the lad in front of us turned around and went, "Oh man, why is he not on fire?" And I was like, "Well, never has been since, really." Yeah. Um, and and a few fans have came at us and they said like, "Oh, you know, you've not really given him a chance. He's done all right, MK Dons and here and any other." But I would I would ask any fan and like. You know, watch the chances he's had. He's missed open goals. He's fell over the ball. He's he couldn't. He's the kind of striker where, like, you know, when you say if it just goes in off his backside, he looks his backside would physically move out the way if he had a chance of scoring with his backside because it's just not meant to happen. Um, it was a bit of a short-sighted move, and you know, as a fan, I've got to be honest. When we brought him in, I thought, great, we just lost Major, who's the best possible striker we could get well, on paper. It's Will Grigg. But that's why I'm not paid to make decisions, um, and why Stuart Donald allegedly is. But I think everyone's in Netflix that that it just it's never going to work out for Will Grigg. And I think when he went to Rotherham, um, kind of surprised in a sense. But I think there was a bit of there was, he played a few games in preseason. He scored the winner against Hull in preseason, which was weird because um, he always looked sad when he scored for us. <laughs> when, when he scores for us, he doesn't really celebrate. No, it's I just like he's doing a job and he's just sort of trots away. I know what you mean. And yeah, I, I can't remember who I spoke to, but I spoke to someone, uh, Jack Baldwin, obviously mm. played with him the first season. And I said, is, you know, Jack, would that have been funny? Is he that miserable? And he said, no, oh, he's hilarious in the dressing room. He's a real good, he was a really good laugh. He's a really yeah. good lad. So unless he's totally talking rubbish, which he could be, um, oh, yeah. apparently he's a really good bloke and, and, you know, he's quite well liked within you know, players, you see them commenting and stuff like that. And I, d I don't think anyone's wished him badly, but um, he just never put the work rate in, which we discussed during the week, which I think is surprising for you to hear in the same way that you said he worked really hard on my podcast. And I thought, bloody hell, really? Yeah. It, it just didn't look like that. And I think for us, just go anyway. And it got to a point where I think we're probably paying some of his wages. I yeah, he's on. Yeah. I think he's on, I can't, I can't quote this, but I've heard from a relatively decent source he's on about 
12 grand a week. Well, possibly yeah, we won't more. Pay, we won't pay all that. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone can afford it. So I think for me, I think from every Sunderland fan's perspective, it was just a case of who wants him and, and who will pay mm-hmm. the most. So maybe you've gone, look, we'll pay four grand a week for him. And we've gone, well, we'll just swallow the rest because he's pointless uh, to have him. And, and it is like, well, great is that pointless where like if someone, I would pay someone to take him, to be honest. Not because I hate the lad and it sounds really harsh because I think he has got something in him and obviously he scored mm. goals at Wuthering, he scored goals at MK Dons, but at Sunderland, it's just a match made in hell. It just doesn't work. Mm. Yeah. Um, it happens sometimes, doesn't it? Football's just like that. It does. I'm sure he's a lovely lad and I'm, and I'm sure he's as good as anyone else that didn't work out because who wouldn't want it to work out in front of 35,000 fans a week? But um, that was just the wrong move. So I think... I think when he went to other we were kind of like oh, watch him watch him score goals and blah blah blah. But he's got to score goals for someone. He's going to go somewhere. Um, and we've seen Elliot Embleton, our own youth academy product, get Blackpool promoted to the playoffs last year. So we've had that one already. So it's all right. You can get you promoted if you want. We've seen that before. We've been through that. Um, but you know, fair, fair play to him. Hope he does all right. Um, you'll not be remembered in, in a good light here, but that's the way football is. Sometimes I'm sure he'll live. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's go on to score prediction. Looking at your results so far this season, and you've the games you've lost are games you just probably expect you to not lose, and you've beat everybody else up there. You beat Wigan, uh, Wickham, uh, Bolton, who have been decent. So that makes me a little bit worried and concerned for Saturday. Really, that you've beaten the decent teams. I think the games we've lost, um, the Burton game, which was the first one we lost, mm. that was a mental game. I think we had like 21 shots, 11 on target. They had like four shots, one on target. Guess who won the game? Burn 1-0. And I watched it on the stream with with my girlfriend. And we sat and watched it. And I think at about 65 minutes, I went, it's not going to happen, this is it. And she was like, nah, never going to score. And you get those. And, and yeah. I think everyone was kind of all right with it and said, hey, look, go and win the game, be fine. The Portsmouth game, I think people would have seen on social media, was just, it was a swimming bath. Yeah. But there were three notes at half time. Our players are saying, ref, you've got to call this off. Players are falling over each other. There's going to be an injury, which there would have been. It yeah. was getting to that point. It should have been called off. But of course, Danny Cowley is saying, you know, call this game off and you're going to have a riot. I think the referees obviously bottled it. Um, I wouldn't say Portsmouth dealt with the conditions better. That got said an awful lot. It was just a case of Portsmouth style of players suited it better and it mm. literally went against us. So you could take that one on the chin as well. And in a way, we responded to that with a, a few more. Uh, wins after that and, and good wins against crew and whatnot. Charlton was probably the most annoying one because I think mm. I don't think we deserve to lose it, but I don't think we deserve to win it. Yeah. Like I, I really don't think that it was a lackluster lack, performance. Which, if it wasn't for QPR midweek, I would have probably still been stewing on it a bit. And you know, <laughs> like, but we're, we're feeling positive again. It's weird. It's like when we get beat, we kind of go, well, you know get on the horse it's fine we've normally had a game on the Tuesday which we can get out of our system I think the game that's annoyed me most this season would be Fleetwood 2-0 up with 9 minutes to go we conceded mm. 2 goals in the last 10 minutes um, I hate playing Fleetwood I could strangle <laughs> them because um, for some reason we just cannot win down high we even being 2-0 up um, and that was frustrating because it was like self-inflicted Bailey Wright giving away a penalty in the 97th minute um, the other results I can kind of put down as a one of those days, the other one was, well, you're never going to play in the swimming bath. And, and the Charlton game was, um, I think we were just better in a way. Probably slightly better should have been a draw, I don't know. Um, but Rotherham's a tough game. Um, I'd love to feel like, well, we'll beat Wigan, we'll beat those teams around us. But Rotherham, I'm a bit concerned by. Um, 
it's a good side with good players that have been in a high division last year. And yes, you came down from it, but there's a reason you're up there and around the Euros. Mm. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so I'll ask you prediction. I know you, I know what your prediction is because we talked about it the other day. But friend, really, uh, what's your what, what's your score prediction for Saturday? I'll do a Kia Starmer and I'll sit on the fence. Um, one-one. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and for anybody that wants a bit more Sunderland action preview of Saturday, where can they find you? Um, at what, what at what the folk pod, and that's as in my surname. Nice little play on words there. It doesn't take a genius to, to see what I meant. A um, lot of QPR love at the moment because I made a joke about Joel Lynch, which apparently mm. has gone down really well with them. So maybe I'm a QPR pod now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but there'll probably be Sunderland reaction. We'll have a review show afterwards our preview shows up there at the moment as well with you could self matt um and just stuff like that generally it's, it's quite light-hearted and i tend to take the pee out of everything and just sh- shout the word yes and when we score and that's pretty much it so we're a very good podcast page to follow maybe yeah, absolutely thank you for joining us graham you're welcome mate thanks for having me there we go um one of us will be joining Graham for his uh, for his podcast, a uh, review the review podcast. So if you want to follow them, you'll hear from us next week. You're right there, Danny. Yeah, it's, it's just watching your seat slowly go down, and then his Keir Starmer <laughs> comment sent me over edge. How 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 embarrassed during that? <laughs> I, know. I didn't realise oh, we were going down until I, I had to split it, so we put it into ours. And looked at the first start of the first half and the start of the second half, and I'm about a foot lower. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh dear. Yeah, a really good thank you to uh, Graham for Ooh. doing that. We very much appreciate it. Um, anything you want to touch on from that chat we had from Nick Danny? Anything that stands out other than uh, the chair? Um, like I said about Will Grigg finding goals elsewhere, he's already scored mm. half the set, uh, half the number he scored at MK Dons last season, uh, and he split it. I think it's two EFL trophy, two in the league, whereas at MK it was all eight in the league. Um, so yeah, Will Grigg is finding goals, and I think, like you touched on it, it didn't really look interesting. I think Will Grigg is very particular about where he feels settled, um, and it, from what he said in interviews and, and all sorts, he feels really settled here. And the fact that they don't think they should recall him in January, very good. Yes, well, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Does he feel settled enough to take an eight grand a week pay cut or whatever it is? I mean, Billy Jones did. He were on 33k at Sunderland and he came down to 7k at us. Mm. I'm paying same 7k a week. That's crazy money. Mm. Um, but sometimes mixed players do need it's again, it's, it's a cliche, but they just need the arm around the shoulder. They just need to be told, yeah. You are amazing and we love you. And it just works sometimes. Just put, put this into some sort of perspective. We are the highest goal scorers in all competitions in the football league, right? No, in so England. In England, sorry. Yeah, in England. We have scored 39 goals in all competitions this season and Will Griggs scored four of them. Mm. So it's not necessarily about Will Griggs scoring goals. It's the work that he does off the ball. It's the work that he does occupying defenders that 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 is just as important, if not more, well, 35 times more important, you know what I mean? Um, so that's obviously not that, but you know what I mean, you know what? Mm. So it's, it's his involvement in the game that's just as important. And I don't know, some, some people don't see that, I guess, because it's not, that, that sort of work is not something that 
draws your eye, is it? You know what I mean? Yeah. What draws your eye is the ball in the back of the net from, from Smithy, but you don't see what Will Griggs done to create in that space or, or whatever. Um, so it's, it's, it's a key part to what we do, without a doubt, uh, and not necessarily from from a goal's point of view. No. Well, whatever Smithy's getting goals, it don't really matter. Grig can, no. Grig can get one here and there, but then mm. Smith goals rise up, Grig needs to score. It's, it's a team game, you know, isn't it? So I'll look mm. Uh, ref watch is David Rock, uh, who has never refed us before. It's a very short and sweet one this week. Um, very good. Greg uh, Adok says, Greg is the poacher we haven't had since Trevor Phillips. Nick, that's probably the one for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, w- I would argue possibly Alfie. Yeah, is a similar player to Alfie, but Trevor Phillips was, again, that sort of player, you know, um, bog liner, as you used to call him at school. You know, <laughs> but but no, I, I mean, truthfully, it's a really, really, really good player. Don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, but very similar, um, very similar. Um, so yeah, I can I can see where he's coming from with that, definitely. Uh, yeah, Bibia uh, says Woody and Harding will play on Saturday. Sorry, so that means he thinks Icky will drop out. Because we're not. I'd be amazed if Red drops out. Um, yeah. We shall wait and see on that one. And well, Barry Manderson asks the question, which we'll finish on a hypothetical. If we are fortunate enough to lose it, some of our some of our best players in January, uh, do we start to strengthen? And if so, where? I think if we're fortunate not to lose any, sorry. I've, I've got a question for Barry. I've got a question for Barry. Assuming let's let's assume that this question is 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 asked in the, in the on the assumption that we're not going to get any injuries, you know, that are going to take somebody out yeah. for the season. I, I, I think has Barry got a bit of a downer on Paul Warren? Does he want to make it more difficult for him <laughs> than it already is? Because, <laughs> like, where would you strengthen? I know. At mm. what point, you know, we've got players who are more than capable of walking into this first team who cannot get a game in virtually, virtually every position. Um, I mean... Yeah, assuming that we don't get any injuries, but from my point of view, I don't think we should be spending any money. Maybe, I think maybe. It's, see if I think it's always important to refresh, though, isn't it? It's always important to refresh. Uh, you, you, you've got to find it's a, it's a tough one because you've got to find the balance of not bringing in for the sake of it. Yeah, but it's mm. always good to have a refresh. Teams that do well tend to do something in January. They it's do. Very rare that somebody will not buy somebody in January and then still go up. You've all you've already got an issue of, of players fighting and fighting mm. to get into that first team squad. If you're going to bring in a another, I don't know, for the sake of argument, central midfielder, mm. you like Kieran Sadly, you like Jamie Lindsay, or, or not making you like Akeem Adolphin, or not making that first team squad. What, how is that psychologically going to affect them? Is that going to stop them pushing mm. to get in, into the first team? You know what I mean? Is it going to affect the balance? The way things are at the moment, the, the last thing you need to do is upset anything, any balance on the pitch or off the pitch for me. Um, we're going to get some injuries, aren't we? So I'm probably talking nonsense in reality. But, mm. but at the moment for me, assuming we don't get any, there's no change. A lot depends on Angus McDonald as well, doesn't it? If Angus yeah, McDonald's yeah. back by Christmas, yeah. then we're laughing. We we are set in that position. But if if he's not fit, we yeah. are then probably a def- a defender short. Um, possibly, Danny. What's your thoughts? Um, I'm inclined to agree with Mick. I think if everyone's fit and all right, and we don't lose anybody, then there's no real reason to buy in anything because we've got good competition as it is, and I think that could be our natural refresh button. 
you know, if we need to refresh, it's like, all right, we'll give you a chance and give you a rest rather than bringing somebody in to not upset the apple cart, to, but to shake it up. I think we've already got that natural shake-up option of depth. I think the two positions that I, th- I can see as maybe having a dabble at is right midfield and centre-back. But again, that depends on... <clears throat> Excuse me. If um, if Hardy's more comfortable to play on that right hand side, which as we've seen so far he is, and also Angus McDonald, if he comes back fit for the new year, then there's no reason to refresh centre back because we can get rid of Curtis Tiltman who don't want to be here, as you can tell because he's at Wigan. Um, but yeah, but it's sort of talk of January at the minute. It's a little bit <clears throat> forward thinking. I mean, I'm a bit hypocritical because we've been on about winning league on the podcast. Um, <laughs> But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at the same time, like we know the players that are going to have attention, it's going to be Wiles, Smith, Freddie potentially, um, and Chio, Barlazer as well. So they're five. If we can keep hold of them five, we're laughing mm. and no real reason to strength. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they've already got the documents lined up and everything. Like, just in case we leave Lulu such and such, we'll go for them. And then if we get enough money for him, we can, then we can step it up a little bit. But at the same time, I can't see us selling any of them key players for any less than two million quid at all. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Smith's that contract in summer, but he's, he's worth, if promotion's worth eight million quid, that's what they're all worth. Yeah, if they're, if they're, exactly. that contract in summer, fine, it, it go for free in summer if, that, if that's a must, but that's what you're worth to us. Uh, and, and we don't know what the behind the scenes vibe is in terms of contracts. Like, I know we've said that we're not offering a new contract to lend at season. But you never know. Some players' minds might already be made up. Like if we go up, I'm signing it online because so I can't see us losing Chio to a to a different thing. Because he says he goes with his gut, and I'm telling you now, his gut says stay with Rotherham. Yeah. Same with same with Smith. I mean, granted, he's 30 and he's having his best season he's had so far. But where would he fit in at a different club? Would not another to take a risk on him, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Mm-hmm. Freddie might go, but he's stomach for future. Um, so I can't really see much activity in January, which for the first time is a good thing. Yeah, the question, the question Smith got to ask himself, and this is not—it's not a nice question to ask yourself, but he's thirty years old and he's out of contract this summer. All it takes is a semi-bad injury in February, and he's not getting a new contract at another club. Or if mm. he is, he's getting—he's getting similar or reduced terms that he's currently on. It's a risk. It's, it, it, that's football. You know, this is the gamble he might have to take to earn another ten grand a week on his contract. But it is a risk, and it's something him he will look at me here. He's, he's clearly already thought about this. Him and his family and his agent have clearly talked about this. But this is the risk footballers can take with their careers. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Paul Jabuk says we need a new centre back and a new striker. Uh, new striker I, for who? We definitely don't need a striker. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've got, assuming they all stay, which is a key thing. Yeah. Smithy, Freddie, Grigg and Coyote all stay, then four, four is plenty. About four's not plenty, four's the right number. If we lose one, we've got to get another one in for me. I know Ben disagreed. Mm. We had me and Ben arguments about having four strikers. But four <laughs> is the right number. Four is 100% the right number to have. Um, that's all I've got. We've gone long again, so apologies if you're you know, trying to listen to smells. But, you know, <laughs> the Millers. Apologies for um, making tea late. <laughs> yeah, making tea late, or you know, your bus ride were only 45 minutes. Apologies. Um, but we have, I think we've thoroughly previewed the Sunderland game. We are back on Sunday night for the review of the Portsmouth game. No, Sunderland game. Uh, and then we've also got Tuesday night to look ahead to. That'll be October finished on Halloween night. 
and we will look at the Charlton. We'll be joined by Nathan Muller, who will be our scouting report friend from Charlton Athletic for Sunday night for preview. And then next week's the FA Cup, FA Cup first round the following Saturday, which I'm already getting pretty excited for. Have <laughs> uh, you two anything else you want to add, mention, talk about? No, all good. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, check out the website newyorktalk.co.uk for the article on our youth players from Lewis Oldham. Danny's match report will be up there. Um, and we'll see you all on Sunday night or Monday morning, wherever you uh, watch and listen. Thank you very much. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.